0: What's up, everyone, and welcome to the weekly Q&A. Please excuse my stuffiness. I have allergies. (laughs) For our first question, Madman's Knowledge and Caleb Diaz ask, what we think of Kathleen Kennedy's recent thoughts on not recasting legacy characters?
1: Yeah, so this was all coming out of that Vanity Fair article that came out Tuesday, and then kind of the full context uh, came out on Wednesday. And I don't know, some people online are treating this, I I think it's being a little blown out of proportion, as if she said, that the main problem with Solo, a Star Wars story, was uh, that they cast Alden as Han Solo. I don't think she's saying that, but I also don't agree with the idea that you can't recast legacy characters.
0: Right. I, I feel the same way. I feel like, like, reading the article, it just sounds like she's basically trying to say it didn't work as well as our other projects. Like, it wasn't a home run kind of thing when, when talking about Solo specifically. Um, but, I yeah, I can't say that I agree that you can't have the character of Han Solo without Harrison Ford or right. Luke without Mark Hamill. Because that's very limiting for such a huge franchise where, you know... Mark Hamill looks and sounds very different than he used to and same goes for a lot of the other characters. So if you want to keep something like this alive I think you're going to have to move on from those actors at some point and
1: totally agree
0: and try something new and I think they did that with Alden and I think it worked.
1: Totally agree that it's just so limiting to say that like only these people are going to play those characters and I'm I'm trying to decide, you know, what she is saying there. Is that what she's saying? That we're never going to recast legacy characters ever again? I mean, I don't think that's the case because, you know, obviously we have Ewan McGregor, who was a recast. We have this Obi-Wan Kenobi series that's starring not Alec Guinness. Mm -hmm. Um, But he is, you know, Ewan is kind of a legacy character of Obi-Wan in his own right. But we also have a Lando series on the horizon. So I don't... Think she is saying we're never going to recast legacy characters I think the the way I'm interpreting this is that we should have put more thought into this in Solo a Star Wars story like there were so many issues with Solo uh, behind the scenes with its scheduling and release date like it came out five months after The Last Jedi Uh, it came out right after Avengers Infinity War there, there were so many other reasons that that movie's box office suffered. I would not put any of the blame at all on Alden Ehrenreich.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I went into that movie and he was my biggest concern. I was like, I don't know if I can see anyone else but Harrison Ford in this role. And I don't think Alden once dropped the ball. Like, I walked to that out of that movie like... He did it like that was one of the best parts of the movie for me.
0: Yeah. And like, I don't think she's saying in the interview that she thinks he did a bad job. Uh, I think she's just, she, she knows the fans response to, you know, the idea of recasting a character, a big, big character like that. And most people are like, no, no way. Like you can't do this character without this person or, or whatever. But I mean, it doesn't help that, we had just seen Harrison Ford as Han Solo in the force awakens, not too long before solo. So I don't know. In the case of the prequels, you know, of course we had Alec Guinness as Obi-Wan, but then how long since we saw him play Obi-Wan till we saw Ewan. So that, maybe, that's a good point. maybe we just need a bigger gap between <laughs> the, the recastings.
1: Well, that that's what I think it comes down to thoughtfulness. Like, Nothing in her comment is super committal. You're right. She never mentions Alden's name. She doesn't say like, oh, no, Alden did a bad job or anything like that. I think that and this isn't just a Solo thing. I kind of think that all five of those initial movies under the Disney era were made quickly and they were made to meet deadlines. Uh, I do know that, you know, Solo and Rogue One had behind them, someone who was passionate about that story. Lawrence Kasdan wanted to do Solo and was working on it uh, before Disney was sold. Mm -hmm. John Knoll had this idea for Rogue One. So there were people who had ideas for stories, but also it's like they were meeting deadlines. And that was kind of the driving force, I think, behind the sequel trilogy and Rogue One and Solo was Disney came out and said we're doing one Star Wars movie a year, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Four out of those five movies had like major behind the scenes issues. Yeah. Solo being maybe the most notorious one.
0: Yeah, like yeah, Solo and Rogue One specifically, like you said, had a lot of stuff going on behind this behind the scenes, like rewrites and reshoots and all that stuff. But when you sell a company to Disney, and you kind of, like, try to bring the entire franchise back to life after taking such a long break, it's gonna be a little bit clunky, I think. And we're seeing now, you know, with all the Disney Plus movies, uh, and a lot of the planning that's going on for future films, uh, they're starting to kind of get their stride, especially with the Disney Plus stuff, because we're seeing all the synergy there. (laughs) Um, So... I think we're we're starting to get into a stride for creators in Star Wars to kind of work with each other, make sure stuff fits. And first couple of movies that comes out, like I love all the movies, but first couple of ones out of the gate, like might feel a little clunky.
1: Yeah, I, I'm someone who was mostly happy with the five films, you know, to varying degrees. But I think that Disney spent four billion dollars, and they were like. What do we do to get that $4 billion back as quickly as possible? Uh, we make a sequel trilogy, and we just crank out movies. Like, even though I, th- like, I think it's a miracle Solo came out as good as it did. Uh, same with Rogue One, considering all of the issues that were behind the scenes on those movies. Um, but yeah, I, I think that there was really a driving business decision behind it, and not a story decision. And like you say, I think we're in a better spot now, especially in the film side, where they're not saying like, well, here comes a movie in 2022 because we said there'd be one. Like now they're willing to take their time, figure out what they want to do, get filmmakers who are passionate. Uh, Like even though Rogue One or Rogue Squadron is currently having issues, like at least we know Patty Jenkins has like this vision and Mm -hmm. is passionate about the idea behind it. Um, And they're not saying like, well, we said Rogue Squadron was going to come out in 2022. And here it is for better or worse. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy with all that. I I think that what happened with Solo is that they didn't put a whole lot of thought about, to, to quote like the Jurassic Park thing, whether or not they should. I think Kathleen Kennedy was saying, we just ran with it because we needed a movie and this sounded like a good idea. And I think that they slapped a familiar name on the title. Solo, a Star Wars story. We're bringing Han Solo back. And I think they were like, That's all we need. Mm -hmm. And they barely marketed it. I didn't mention that earlier. Like, it got two trailers within a couple months, and it was, like, I just remember being, like, outside of Denny's.
0: It did get us to go to Denny's for the first time.
1: (laughs) I mean, I treasure my Therm Scissor Punch trading card. I still have that. Uh, But outside of those things, like, there just wasn't much marketing push behind Solo. So, yeah, I don't know. I I do think that she could have said all of that more eloquently, Mm -hmm. like instead of just talking about the recasting aspect of it, I wish she would have said, you know what? Alden did a great job, but here's what we learned from this. Instead of just being like, I don't know, can we recast actors or not? Like, who knows?
0: (laughs) Kathleen Kennedy is, I, I picture her as like a more old school producer. She's worked on so many successful franchises and films. And, She's done a billion interviews talking about said movies. uh, And like any or most people in an interview, they're going to kind of like talk about stuff very vaguely and kind of go back and forth and say maybe a lot. Like they're not going to bash something or totally gush about it. They're going to stay pretty much in the middle. That's just...
1: Especially when I kind of guess, I assume that, uh, she didn't know that question was coming. You know, they're talking about the future of Star Wars and stuff. I don't know yeah. how Vanity Fair handles their questions. They might all get pre-approved, but I don't know. In my mind, I could see this being like, a, you know, we're talking about all these future uh, f- series and a little bit about the future of films. And also, what about this thing in the past? Like, that could have just been a question that popped up in Anthony Bresnikin's head. Mm-hmm. And then Kathleen was like, oh, uh... I don't know, maybe we learned that? Also, there's that. We're reading this. We don't know how she said anything. Like It could have been very much like a, I don't know, maybe? Maybe we can't recast people. I don't know. Or maybe it was like, you know, maybe we shouldn't recast people ever again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you see the, the amount of success on shows like The Mandalorian and how much people just freaked out when we got Luke Skywalker in Mandalorian with the deep fake technology and all that, like you see that kind of success and that kind of hype. And then you look back at a movie like solo and for someone like Kathleen Kennedy's, she, yeah, she's going to be like, well, that just was a dud compared to this new stuff. So I i don't hold it against her. I do hope that this does not mean going forward that we're going to continue to see, Deep fake after deep fake after deep fake of characters that we know and love, like it comes to a point where, like, you have to recast some of those people if you want to continue using them because it just gets old.
1: Yeah. And you know what? She does say uh, in that article that we are also focusing on not going back to that well over and over again, that we need to expand Star Wars. And I'm like, yes, thank you. I don't want us to be in this situation where, you know, every year it's like, okay, well, are we going to recast someone? Or are we going to do deep fakes? Or what's this going to look like? Like, just make new characters. <laughs> like, Star Wars is huge. And I'm glad that they are starting to look outside of the Skywalker saga and existing characters.
0: Cyrus and Mr. J.D. Rice want to know our final predictions for Obi-Wan Kenobi before the series premiere.
1: We have made a handful of predictions already. I kind of want to talk about uh two predictions we've already made that I think have been confirmed. Uh and I I will keep my this one has not been confirmed. I will keep my wild prediction out there uh that Elon Sleesbagano is going to show up. I would I that's my like there's no way that's going to happen, but I want it. I think it would be cool. Same with Dexter Jetster. Uh he's, you know, an underground informant kind of person he knows things so it, it makes sense that with as much, might seek him out
0: with as much dexter jetster merchandise as they're putting out at <laughs> celebration i would not be surprised
1: that's true we're about to get just like we just we have a big max rebo renaissance going on right now uh dexter jetster's coming back <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but uh we have been predicting some things and uh i i read an article today. Uh, This is Thursday when we're filming this, from Entertainment Weekly, uh, Rupert Friend Interview. And I think he confirmed something that Molly guessed, and I was like, no way is that going to happen. But it sounds like we might get Inquisitor helicopter sabers. Like, he might actually use it to fly. Thoughts?
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. I want to see it. I want to see it happen. I've
1: seen very split reactions to this online already of people going like oh no and beneath that oh yes I'm like I read that and I burst out laughing because I was just like oh my god they're gonna do it
0: (laughs) when we first talked about this and I predicted that they would show this I still think it's what I said is true like they know what happened in animation lightsabers are cool everybody knows that um it's all make-believe anyways, so why not make them lightsaber helicopters? Why not make them fly?
1: I still think they're not going to go overboard with it, that he'll be, like, zipping around Tatooine or something, uh, but th- what he said is, A, uh, he didn't watch Star Wars Rebels, so, but he does seem to n- know a lot of the Grand Inquisitor's backstory, so Dave Filoni or Deborah Chow, someone filled him in on everything. And then at one point he's talking about the lightsaber and he's like, yeah, it twirls around the hilt, it spins and he can fly with it. It's pretty cool. So he just kind of like casually says that.
0: <laughs> now he could also just be talking about something else I brought up, which maybe it's not flying exactly. It Maybe it's just a big jump and it kind of propels him forward a little bit. I could see how an actor would just call that flying for ease of of conversation.
1: I do think that they will be subdued with how they use it. Like I said, he's not going to be flying above a city looking for Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think it'll be in a fight. And yeah, like you say, jump up, it spins, and he comes down. He He
0: will not be like Inspector Gadget in the air with little binoculars just looking down.
1: I don't think there's a way to do that and not make it look goofy. I will applaud them if they pull it off. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I was just... That was something that you, that was a wild prediction you had from the start. And I was like, no way are they doing that.
0: It's not that wild.
1: I I think it's a little wild (laughs) to say that they're going to pull that in. Uh, As for a prediction that I stated that it sounds like is also going to happen. I think it was in that same Vanity Fair article with Kathleen Kennedy. I believe she said that we are at a time where Obi-Wan thinks that he killed Anakin and I was like, oh, yeah. Mm. So I, I've definitely been kind of going back and forth on my own of saying it seems like a reach to think that Obi-Wan would never hear the the name Darth Vader in the net or something on Tatooine for 10 years. Like he's just out of the loop. But uh, he's he's on Tatooine. He's living in a cave or whatever. So he's been living for 10 years believing he killed Anakin and that Darth Vader is dead. So I am really, really looking forward to that scene where he learns Darth Vader is alive and Anakin is still alive and he just like didn't finish the job and he failed on all fronts. I think that's awesome. I'm glad that's being included in the show.
0: Me too. It's going to be rough though. (laughs) Robert Bush asks why Obi-Wan didn't just keep Luke and train him from a younger age.
1: And they basically say, why give Luke to Owen at all? Like, that just seems like an obstacle to uh, training this child one day.
0: Obi-Wan doesn't know how to take care of a baby. (laughs) Does he? I I
1: think Obi-Wan could have done it. Well, first, let's get the obvious out-of-universe answer out of the way. Because he had to. That's where Luke is in episode four. He had to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just don't think... Obi-Wan would be in that state of mind. I mean, we're talking about Obi-Wan coming off of his biggest failure. He just thinks that he killed his best friend Mm -hmm. and now he has a son and he failed Anakin as a teacher. Like, I don't think Obi-Wan is ready to dive into training right away. He's probably grateful to be like, take this baby. I'm going to go watch you over there. Like, I just need a break.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And like, you know, They talk about it at the end of Revenge of the Sith, and Yoda talks about, like, they have to go into isolation, they have to go into hiding. That's no way to raise a a baby slash toddler slash young child in isolation, not being able to see or do anything else. Like, even most Jedi are, you know, they're starting out around the youngling age, so that would have been really hard for Luke to just be in hiding his entire childhood. So I think Obi-Wan's thought process is like, let me give this kid as best chance to a normal life and normal childhood until he's ready to, yeah. be, to know the truth.
1: Yeah, I mean, Yoda's just like, let's split these kids up. We need to go into hiding. Like, we messed up. Yoda just goes into exile. It's not like he took Luke to yeah. train him or anything.
0: And Obi-Wan is in such a vulnerable state at that point. Like, yeah, he's he's in no position to be raising a kid by himself. I
1: think we're going to be in a better position to answer this question after seeing the series. Because I think Obi-Wan is going to be just, yeah, like, broken. And he's going to be talking to Owen like, yeah, I have to train this kid someday. But, like, clearly his heart's not in that right mm-hmm. now. He's just like, you know, when he's of age, he must be trained you know, in nine years or so. I think he's just going to be sad not feeling up to taking care of anyone. I don't think he's going to be taking care of himself.
0: And then even when we see all this go down in A New Hope, he still lies to Luke. Yeah. He can't tell the truth even then. (laughs) It's been long enough, Obi-Wan. Wes Mardine wants to know how we feel about Ewan McGregor's recent comments on how the prequels were hated when they came out, and do we think this situation will be mirrored with the sequel actors in a few years?
1: We've talked about this before, but yeah, it's relevant because now Ewan and Hayden are both talking about it a lot. But yes, absolutely, this has all happened before and it will all happen again, to quote Battlestar Galactica.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that that's how things like this go. Uh, But yeah, I think everything we saw happen with the prequels, I think it's even already kind of started to happen because of just how many kids are into nerdy stuff these days like we're already seeing waves of like younger teenagers who are very outspoken about their love for the sequel trilogy um but even then like there's not as much hate for the sequel trilogy as there was for the prequel trilogy
1: i do think that well, that's hard to gauge considering we didn't really have social media back then. I mean, then. they
0: made a documentary about how hated it oh, was. Yeah, yeah.
1: There, there's that, that, you can go back and read message boards, not just about uh, the prequel trilogy, but like even Return of the Jedi. Uh, I was going through some of that a, a month or two ago where it was just like, wow, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Mm-hmm. Like,. Same thing for just Return of the Jedi. Everyone's saying, like, oh, well, Lucas lost the magic. <laughs> Star Wars fans are always going to be like that, I think. And it's always just, you know, that, that new thing that comes out is always going to have some pushback, um, especially generationally, mm-hmm. I think, when you have that big gap between uh, the originals and then the prequels and then the prequels and the sequels. Even though that gap wasn't as big, it's still, like... You're letting a, a new generation grow up, and then when they see this new thing, they don't like it. And by the way, it's not just movies. Same thing happened with The Clone Wars mm-hmm. when it started. That was pretty universally hated. No one seemed to like Ahsoka. Uh, I, I didn't get into The Clone Wars when it was first coming out. Um, I, I remember seeing reactions to it, and mm-hmm. I remember looking at it and being like, I don't think that's for me. And now it is very widely considered like one of the best Star Wars things ever. Yeah. And it, it introduced a new generation to Star Wars. So yeah, whether we're talking about the sequel trilogy or the high Republic, which has some pushback on it, like whatever it is, uh, it's going to come back around.
0: Yeah. It's interesting to look back and see what specifically some people like really hated about the prequel trilogy and, then look at the sequel trilogy to see what people hated about that it seems like with the sequel trilogy it's unfortunate that we're in this time now where it's like the woke police are after everything and and everyone and it's it's so silly uh but like with the prequels people are like oh jar dumb this is too like dumb and silly and childish but now it's like oh there's a a woman. There's a main character. Oh no!
1: Not to mention the prequels being like far more political uh, and liberal <laughs> yeah. than the sequels. I would say, like it's it's wild to me that people will go after the sequel trilogy for its politics. And I'm like, did you watch the prequels? <laughs> I'm yeah. so confused. The Clone Wars too. Mm-hmm. For a for a show made for a younger audience. Uh, when you've got a senator named Halliburton. like,
0: <laughs> And they they didn't know how to handle that for the sequel, so they just blew up Hosnian Prime where all the politicians were. Right. <laughs> Jack Mountford asks what we hope to see in the Fallen Order sequel now that we've heard some rumors about it.
1: So a couple rumors still filed this under rumor, uh, but title is supposedly Star Wars Jedi Survivor. And uh, I think the same person that Leaked that information said that it's still going to follow Cal, Kestis, and other characters will be playable. All rumors, but I'm into all of it. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, survivor is a great way of as a great word to to explain Cal and Marin, for that matter. And yeah, everybody and Seer, everybody in that little group—they're all survivors—and yeah, they survived the first. All the stuff that happened in the first game. And I'm not sure what they're going to have to continue to survive. Like, what's going to be like the next big hump for them to get over?
1: You know, if they're just in the galaxy, just living at all is a challenge for Seer and Cal. Survive.
0: (laughs) That just makes me think of Tropic Thunder.
1: Marin might be, uh, she might have it a little easier because no one seems to be actively hunting Night Sisters. But yeah. Uh, my little hope with the name, like survivor, I don't know. I kind of hope there's slightly more of a stealth element to the game. That's one thing that I feel like was missing from fallen order. I, I adore that game, but I wish you could sneak up behind stormtroopers or your enemies or whatever and do some stealth takedowns. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like I, I would get close behind them. I would feel like I was creeping around and then they would always turn around and start shooting at me. And I just, I like stealth in, in video games.
0: Yeah. What if this actually means that they'll be stranded on an island and there'll be like a TV crew there and a host?
1: And they're going to vote Grease out yeah. for using all the salt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe. It could happen. <laughs> uh, I, I do like that you point out Marin and Cal as survivors. I kind of consider Fallen Order as a story about the two of them and Trilla, all this the same generation they're all about the same age uh and they went through some terrible trauma and it's about how they all dealt with it in different ways unfortunately Trilla's gone now but uh Marin and Cal are still here they're still surviving mm-hmm. and so if we're going to get other playable characters it would be awesome we've said this before if you could play as Marin yeah. and learn to wield some night sister magic that's yes. something Star Wars has never done, and I think it would be awesome.
0: Yeah, because we, we've explored Cal and him, you know, learning to use the Force in different ways and learning to make upgrades to his lightsaber and all that stuff. He's gotten, he gets progressively better at all that stuff in the game. So it'd be cool to be able to do that with Marin and her various powers, and that would be good game mechanics to work with, too. On to YouTube questions, Michael Kaddock asks, when we think we'll see sequel trilogy cast members return to Star Wars?
1: They also ask if it'll be in animation or live action or uh, anything else. I still think that we are a ways off from that. Although, Tales of the Jedi gives me pause.
0: Mm, I I was going to talk about that too. I think animation would be our best bet to where we're going to see them pop up next, but... Yeah, if, if we're talking uh, actual live action stuff, I think it's going to be a while. Probably like, I don't know, 10 years?
1: I mean, again, based off what we heard in this Vanity Fair article, none of the series upcoming sound like they're going to be in the sequel era uh, unless you count like the Mandoverse. It's kind of bumping up against there. But no, I think that... We're going to be taking a break from not just the sequel trilogy era, but like the Skywalker saga. Mm -hmm. Um, It sounds like they do want to expand things moving forward, but something like tales of the Jedi, which said it was an anthology animated collection of shorts that I could see like we got the, uh, we we could do a Ray Finn training story. I would love that. Yeah. And I could see, both John and Daisy coming back for something like that. If it was like a low commitment, you're just coming in recording voices and then that's it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I could see that happening.
0: Yeah. Blake Davison wants to know if we'll see Cal Kestis in live action in Obi-Wan Kenobi or Andor. Nah. No?
1: Nah. I I would love it. I love Cal Kestis. I love him to death. Uh, But no, I don't think that's happening. Could we? Yeah, we could. But will we? Nah.
0: I also... Don't think we will. I think he works really well in the game, uh, but no, I don't think we're gonna see him in live action. He could pop up in another story somewhere, like we said, about animated or in a book mm-hmm. or a comic. Sure, um, but I don't think they're gonna bring. I don't think there's a story out there to be told where they would need him to be in live action, unless they were just to just remake the games into a series or a movie
1: yeah i mean like i don't want the story spoiled for fallen order or star wars jedi i should say two or three or however many and if he pops up in andor or kenobi i'll be like oh okay well that takes away some of the tension of playing the games i will still play them and probably love them but yeah like i I do think that they purposefully have begun casting Actors and modeling uh, several of their characters after actors, specifically so that they have the option of pulling them into live action uh, mm-hmm. down the road. But I kind of I want uh, Respawn to tell their story first, and then we can let Cal kind of explore the rest of the universe if anyone chooses to.
0: Tyler Parker asks if we'll see a young Ben Solo in the Mandoverse.
1: I don't think so, because at the time period right now, if we're five-ish years after uh, Return of the Jedi, then Ben Solo is four years old. Yeah. Maybe five, depending on how much of a time jump there's been between seasons one of The Mandalorian to now.
0: Yeah, I also don't think so. I kind of hope not, just because if we are seeing a young Ben Solo, that probably means we're going to see deep faked versions of Han and Leia and Luke again and continue to see, you know, just CGI characters being brought back from the dead for stuff that we really don't need.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I'm like used to Luke. I've accepted that, yeah, we're gonna probably continue to see deep fake Luke. And I think it'll probably get better every time we see it, and I will be more impressed. <laughs> uh but I don't think Ben Solo I I just don't think it's time for him to be at Luke's Academy yet. Yeah. Maybe, but I, I think that's a stretch.
0: Yeah. I think this maybe this is a hot take, but put that money towards something else, please. Like put all the money that you're just funneling into these deep fake projects and put it towards something else. That's all I'm saying.
1: I agree. I, I really do like. I want Star Wars to continue expanding. We've spent so much time with the Skywalkers, and I I love them, but there are other things to do. <laughs> like if they have money and they're like, well, do we do another deepfake character that people love and we know are going to go crazy for, or do we start an old Republic series or something? I say do the old Republic series.
0: Yeah, they know they know what sells money. And it's hard. What sells money? What sells money? Yeah. What <laughs> they know what makes money and sells, uh, and it's hard to peel them away from that. Unfortunately, can
1: I buy your twenty dollar bill with my one dollar bill?
0: No. I'm why very... don't you sell me your money? I'm very attached to my paper money.
1: That's called greed. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. George Lucas says that's bad. It's sell not. me your twenty dollar bill.
0: Only if. I don't know what I was gonna say. <laughs> True Blue wants to know if we'll see Bothans in Andor. Ooh, I think that would be the perfect place.
1: Agreed. I totally agree. We're supposed to be doing a spy thriller series, and you know, Bothans are supposed to be like the spies to end all spies. Or they were in Legends, you know, they had a cool spy network. But I feel like that's a name that most Star Wars fans would be able to look back at and go like, Oh yeah, from Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, I think that Andor is the perfect place to do it. I, I completely agree.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, we're getting a whole Kenobi series based off of a line in A New Hope. So let's get a whole, like, arc of episodes in Andor based off of many Bothans died to bring us this information.
1: Right. I mean, they've been doing that for forever. Like, the uh, book Brotherhood was basically based off of the Kato-Nemoria line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that Botha, it's time. I feel like Lucasfilm has been stubbornly waiting to show us canon Bothans, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know why. So I, I am curious to see if we see Bothans in Andor, will they be those like kind of horse goat-looking people, or are they going to redesign them?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it would be really cool to see, and I, I think they could definitely pull it off. But I do want to say I wouldn't be upset if they didn't do it and they want to continue to make this remain some kind of weird Lucasfilm secret. I think that's funny, too.
1: I'm, it's been so long, I kind of wonder if that's the route they're going to take. And I'm not going to be upset if there are no Bothans in Andor or anything. But it, it has become this thing. Like, there's a Twitter account called Is It a Bothan? Where mm-hmm. some like something will show up in Star Wars that looks kind of like a Bothan. And they're like, maybe they finally did it, but... <laughs> Where, where are the Bothans at, Lucasfilm? What are you hiding, <laughs> Lucasfilm? What, do you, what don't what do you want us to see? Bothans. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's all the time we have for questions today. Just a little announcement. We are not going to have a Q&A video next week because of Star Wars Celebration and traveling, and we're just going to be too busy to do one, and uh, there's going to be plenty of other things to talk about. Uh, we will do a uh, Q&A all about Star Wars Celebration in the following week, so... Uh, if you want to leave a question for that, I would just wait until uh, next week sometime, uh, or you can join our Patreon page where we're doing a Q&A thread for everyone to submit questions there. If you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the channel. Follow us
0: on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok.
1: And as always, thanks for watching, and may the Force be with you.